Okay, so since you listen to the show every single week, you'll probably remember a few weeks back, I was talking about how like House of Black has brought a lot of representation to the hardcore scene within wrestling on a mainstream format, right? And so I was at NXT last night. That's kind of why this episode's super, super late. It might not even be on Wednesday, depending on where you live. But something caught my attention from the moment I walked in, because we obviously got level up before the actual broadcast of NXT, which I got to say, they're still kind of hitting some high notes. Now, some of the people I've seen make their way in weren't present last night, so that was good for me at least. However, I was, for the most part, thoroughly impressed. Anyway, getting back to my point, though, there are some theme songs that they are making now in NXT that I did not expect in any way, shape, or form. And what I mean is... WWE has this rocky road with theme songs, right? Every once in a blue moon, they'll splurge and get a really good like so- theme song for someone like perfect example in recent memories, Pat with the white stripes. Now, I do think maybe Pat had influence in that, maybe put a little bit of his own money because he's doing good for himself. But nevertheless, you know, they kind of tend to do theme songs in-house and they have a pretty set format in how they do their theme song. At the show, though, and I think Cora Jade is the example that I'm going to use, but there was another girl, I forget her name, but I think it's like Tatum Presley or something like that. Uh, Please don't crucify me. But they both had theme songs that genuinely sounded like something that came off of like 97X, which is our local alternative station, but actual pop punk songs, like kind of like Paramore or your MGK, who's super popular, which with them using him for WWE 2K22, it makes sense, but it got me to think a little bit more about it. And I'm wondering, are they now investing a little bit more time in the presentation from this stage? And are we going to have this presentation of the superstar go up when they go eventually to Raw and SmackDown? Or is it still a case where we're going to find a build of a superstar? We do all of these things with them. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we bring them up to Raw or SmackDown, we completely change their gimmick again. Because if that's the case, like what we've seen before... Why are we spending all this time and effort? Did we just get really fortunate and have a kid who's really good at writing pop punk and full sale volunteer? Or is this like a deliberate plan? And I want to kind of get your thoughts on that. And I have a couple little more things from NXT last night. So let me clarify just so we're clear. Are you talking about them actually going out and putting in full songs? Or are you just not or talking about them just giving them generic theme songs? Because I think as far as NXT goes, Black and Gold was modeled after giving people their own entrances. Well, and you definitely do have a good amount of people who kind of stand out for the pack in recent years. And Karrion did bring his theme song up for the short time he was there. Uh, Damian Priest, I believe, has the same presentation. Ciampa's been changed, though. I think really what stood out to me that it was female talent that were investing so much time and really giving something that... It's not like a theme song. Like, you know how people joke that video game music isn't music and one could make that same argument against, like, entrance music because a lot of them, even some of the my favorite theme songs are pretty generic. Like, I remember Malachi's original WWE theme song. It was awesome, but literally there was seven or eight words in the entire theme song and it was the same thing played over again. So after about a minute and a half, it started to get really repetitive. These theme songs, like, Chorus doesn't and the other girl I'm thinking of like, no, that would be something that I would go out of my way to actually, like, buy on iTunes if people still fucking do that or find on Spotify, YouTube, and actually listen to as an entire song, which is more engagement for them in a whole nother platform, which is something a market they used to tap a lot but don't really do anymore. Is it more intriguing that they're giving their stars their own theme songs, or is it more in- 
intriguing that they're letting these stars have their own identity as characters and letting them grow as workers. Because I kind of see this as them putting their first foot out in the way of making this a real developmental brand. Because you've got somebody like Cora Jade who's mega over. You know what I mean? Like, no matter how much me or you might not be the biggest fans of her, she's over as fuck. And I think that's a way of them saying, we want to push you. It's the same with Tatum Presley. She's going to be really good because they're going to push her and they want her to be good. And that's what happens. You know what I mean? Even somebody like Tiffany Stratton has her own theme song now. And that's someone that me or you couldn't get behind right away. But the more and more I watch her, the more I'm like, they're building something in NXT with every single one of these people. Well, and I got to say, it would be easy for me to be the first person to shit on NXT and how it's been the past, what, three, maybe six months now. But I'm, I can't really complain. Now, trust me, there are some things they're missing on, like the Brooks and Dunn or whatever. the Brooks and Jensen, how dare you invoke the name of Brooks and Dunn and disrespect. Every single move they hit was a bear hug. They just kept doing it, and it's like, That's I get it. That's how you it. wrestle in the woods. But I get it. Like, one person does a bear hug, you tag the other partner in, the other one does a bear hug, it's intimidating, but when we have three minutes of just bear hugs in the ring, that should really be a communication move, not a, a premier part of your offense. You don't uh, you never wrestled any bears, have you? I haven't, but I don't pride myself on doing it either. Well, I'm just going to tell you, you might ought to watch somebody wrestle a bear once in a while and you know where these guys got their moves set at because I wrestled a bear or two. You have not. I'm going to call your bluff right now. How do you on that. know? How do you know? Because I know you better than that. Like, you are the kind of person, if you have done something so extravagant like that, that would have been one of the first five things you told me. Man, there's lots of kinds of bears. This is the first, <laughs> you know, we all have our own demons, <laughs> right? But now, they are not doing it for me, but the Creed brothers really are. And I got to say, I don't know if it got picked up because I haven't gone back and watched, but the Creed brothers are over as fuck. Let me ask, is Diamond Mine still a unit? Because I know yeah. they have Malcolm with the Creed Brothers. They're still a unit. But what is Roddy doing? Right I don't now? know what Roddy's doing, but they're still a unit. He's still got uh, the other, uh, the tough one too. I don't. Oh know. yeah, she showed up in Level Up. She just like stared around though. It, it, it was alright. I, I, I can't wait to see her wrestle some people to death. But no, they're doing a lot with them. Uh, another She person... seems like she's going to pop some people's necks off with chokeholds when she comes around. Oh, I believe it. Another person you mentioned that I want to touch on is Cora Jade. Uh, I guess she's over. Not really to me. I'm going to say it may get a lot of hate for it, but it literally felt last night being in that NXT arena during that promo. And maybe it came off a little bit different on TV, especially since they got her on the hard cam and I was looking at her back. It really felt like I was in Universal Studios in the 90s on set for a recording of some like Clarissa explains it all or some show like that. I love Clarissa explains it all. I can't believe again you just invoked a great classic thing and and invited it to be in the same room as something that's not classic and great. Like you did it with Brooks and Jensen and Brooks and Dunn and Brooks and Dunn are all-time country artists. And now you're invoking the name of Clarissa explains it all, which I'll tell you what, man, was a banger. Not a bad show, but it's not what I want on my developmental wrestling television. Listen, if they did Sabrina the Teenage Witch and wrestling, like you just combined the things, I'd watch it. Now, let me take a moment to call every motherfucker out, though. That pop for Natty was such bullshit last night. I know nobody gives one iota of a shit about her. And now... Uh, Soon as she comes to NXT, everyone is sitting there pretending like they love her and that she's their favorite wrestler. Like, that is such bullshit. They've done this with Dolph and they've done this with Mandy, too. 
No, nobody was fans of them at the oh, end no, of their Oh, no, Mandy WWE. did not get any love last night. And maybe it's the desired reaction, right? Because she's a heel. But no, there was not a But when she showed fan. up, people were happy. And it's the same thing. Like, you see them on the main roster, and people are playing around. I've never seen anyone compassionately argue over Natty. Not once. She couldn't even lock the sharpshooter in last night. It was a real rough time. And not to mention, that progression of the program was so predictable. I was sitting there calling it as we sat there. I was like, all right, so Natty's going to hype her up and tell her how awesome she's is, and then she's going to turn on her. And would you believe it? We well, I, I didn't expect the turn. I'll give her that. But I did because Natty's always been like the big show type character where she flops back and forth, heel to face, whenever she's needed somewhere. See, I, this is where we disagree at because I think that the angle is a good idea. I think the execution is where I find the problem in this. It's not the angle that's the problem. I don't mind... Oh, I love Natty. She was one of my favorite people growing up when I was a kid. And then she comes out and ruins your dreams. You don't always want to meet your heroes because what they could turn out to be. You know what I mean? It's a great idea for a story. Here's the issue. Natty did the worst acting job I've ever seen coming out there. And doing that speech, like, I know that Cora Jade shit was bad and reminded you of a 90s Nickelodeon sitcom. But Natty was worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> she came out and I was like, oh, this is bad acting. Well, and that's what I expected. And this isn't, I really think she would succeed in an actual wrestling promotion. Like if she had to just wrestle and be reliant on her in-ring work, not the whole superstar mold that she has to fit within WWE, she would be phenomenal. But every time they presented her to me, I just haven't been able to relate and enjoy what they're doing with her and maybe it's not for me and that's something i constantly have to remind well, myself I, i'm not saying at all and by any means that natty's a bad wrestler i'm just saying that she's sushi and i don't like sushi i think she's what they tried to do with roman reigns and she's the failed version of that that's a weird take why explain so now that we're at this point with roman reigns where he's the most over guy in the entire world right we are starting to admit that in the beginning, he was forced down our throats. Nobody fucking liked him. And it was the wisdom of Vince, right? Where it's time and time again, repetition. It eventually will work and get over. And with Roman, it seemingly worked, right? Now, there's other factors that go into it. But let's give this one to Vince. With Natty, though, she has always been a person who's been put in our faces and sometimes even felt like she's just been shoved into things because we have this person that one either needs to help other talent or two, we just don't have someone that can fit the role. And Natty is that kind of wrestler where we can interchange them in the main event picture. We're never going to push them to the top of the mountain, but they are, they can convince you that they should be there. Right. And with her, you can make that argument. Obviously, you have the family namesake. But if you look at her in-ring performance, too, she really does shine when she wants to. And so I don't get me where I, I'm tearing her down. Like, I really do respect what she's done. But, like, I never fucking liked her. And it, just to see all these assholes pretend like they're her favorite wrestler, it's phony. But I, I'll say, it's I cheered her as soon as she did turn heel. <laughs> This man, you're the most confusing person. You said, I'm not trying to tear her down, but I fucking hate her. Is what you said literally seconds apart from each other. Well, it's it's you the have craziest up and the down. Lines, I'm, on, I'm sitting on a cliff. I'm a cliffhanger right now. And you're like, 
I'm not trying to tear it down. And I'm like climbing back up on the cliff. They're like, but fuck her. And I'm just like, whoa. Fuck the presentation of her within <laughs> WWE. But do you see where I'm going with that Roman comparison, though, that she never really seemed to succeed in the way they intended for her? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I don't really can want to compare it to Roman at all, ever. But And I will say, all right, here we're back. Uh, this is no campaign to put her in that main event picture. <laughs> we can keep her where she's if at. If this happens, she this makes I'm a gonna, lot of sense. I'm going to put you in a in a in a cross face if this happens. I want you to know that you just earned yourself a cross face if she gets that belt put on her in the next year. You know, transitional champions do exist in this world that we live in, Taylor. I'm going to so, make your spine a transitional champion. One thing I really did get out of NXT though last night is I kind of realized I'm starting to become a really really bad wrestling fan. And I mean that in the respect, usually when you go to a wrestling show or say you're booking a wrestling show, right? You want your fans to interact, engage, be yelling for the good guys, be booing for the bad guys, all of that jazz, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm just fucking weird last night. And I really hope there's it caught me on TV, but I'm just sitting there overanalyzing absolutely everything. And I'm not even just talking about the wrestling within the ring, like, the cool thing about NXT, and for the people that don't live in Florida, fucking plan a vacation, right? It's free. Like, if you can find that email list, you can come and go to the show for free. You just have to fly to Florida. But if you really want an in-depth look on how that show's produced and just the magic that is the WWE production, like, with all of the complaints about that company, nobody can complain about their production. They really do it better than most uh and so getting to see the intricacies of the performance right like everything that's going on like they have a guy within the arena and i'm sorry to like reveal this little secret but there's a dude who has headphones on who's like hitting off camera like right around where the hard camera is he's right under it directing the crowd to like boo when they need to boo cheer when they need to cheer there's people like are sitting and then actively produce you're saying that the cheers and boos are fake Oh, whoa, 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 Taylor. We don't want to go down this rabbit hole, Are you brother. serious, man? I've been whoa, watching shocking it. news. I've been a fan for so long of NXT, and I've never known this. Are you serious? Yeah, you know, even though you've been there and you've seen it yourself. Uh, Golly, man. Actually, I don't know if you've noticed on TV that they changed the layout, um, and it's a little bit bigger, and they moved the commentary booth. But yeah, there's all these things you see going on, and there's still things going on when they cut off the TV, right? Like, uh, for perfect example, the Braun Breaker promo was horrible live because you have him come out for like 30 seconds, right? Talk. And then you get numb nuts on the screen. Well, while it was happening, Braun Breaker is just sitting in the ring, like half assing, like reacting. You know what I mean? Like he's reacting to what's happening on the screen, but it doesn't seem natural. Like he, like if that happened to me, I wouldn't be sitting there just watching a video. I'd be like, yo, where the fuck is this dude? I'm about to. Read his brains in. This is a TV show. I get it. But still, here's the thing, though. We're sitting there in the arena, right? And he just walks off when the video's done. Like, he doesn't say anything else, doesn't finish his sentence or, like, his train of thought at all to everyone in the arena. He just, like, walks away. All right, see you guys later. I'm going to go find, exactly. my, find so, my dad's Hall of Fame ring. Don't get me wrong. There, I've seen cases of where people why, are why a little bit better. Why did he put better. the burning ring on his finger? What was the purpose of that? Is he creating something that I'm not understanding? I think this has been the way with uh, what's what's Dickhead's name? 
Um, I oh, shoot, you don't know his kid. name. You went live it's, and you don't know his name. I do. Um, <laughs> it's like Joe Gacy. Yes, I was just so, saying it's like some serial killer. Why did he put the ring on his hand after he pulled it out of the fire? Did you see this? No, no, yeah. Oh, they, so so he, they showed it to us on so the Titan Tron. They pulled it out of the fire and he puts it on his hand and he goes. <laughs> what was the point of that? Did that do anything for you? Well, okay. I'm not understanding the way that this story is going. Like, I don't understand the symbolism. I get putting it in the fire because it's like disrespecting Bronze legacy. So I understand the idea of like, you can't obviously keep Rick around in a cage for three weeks. Like, I don't think Rick's going to agree to come to TV every week just so you can put him in a cage, if I'm being honest. But I also kind of get the burning of the ring because you're like, all right, we got to get Rick out of here. We'll just, I set him free and I threw his Hall of Fame ring in the fire. That's understandable. Okay. I don't get the idea of like pulling it out of the fire and putting it on your hand because that does nothing to progress the story. It actually does. And this is my take on it. And I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're like, that's not what it meant. Blah, blah, blah. Please yell at me on YouTube or something. Uh, to me, opinion. it's almost like it's, well, obviously it's a form of scarification because he's scarring his body to wear that ring. But it's basically like he's becoming part of the family. Like he's bonding himself whether they like it or not. And now it's going to be... Uh, what's scarification? Because I've never heard that word. Like, um, okay, uh, what do you use to, like... A brander. Yeah, like a cattle prong or whatever. So he's becoming part of the uh, Rick Steiner family? Something to that lines. Now, I don't know if that's the exact way Joe I Steiner. word it. I actually like that better. Joe Steiner. But he's... He's becoming one with Braun. Oh, I just had a great idea. What if he came back next week and he started calling himself Joe Steiner? It could be that way. And <laughs> I, sorry if that's a loose interpretation, but I think it's, you can see where I'm going with this. Yeah. But yeah, one, like if he wants that ring back, he's not going to get it. He's literally going to have to cut fucking Gacy's finger off. I hope he does. I hope that I hope that you know. I hey, hope we does. did see uh, Ray Mysterio's don't, eyes. Don't ever so. disrespect the dog face gremlin in my presence. Don't ever I, do it. That, that here's my thing with that. That was just a dumb, or that was just bad. Why? Writing. So were they thinking on the fly? They were like, "We'll throw Rick in a cage for a week." What does that do? And there also, is some weird shit going on though. Like there was a couple moments last night where I was like, "I don't get the booking of this." Like the Super Soaker thing with Toxic Attraction. Oh. I don't understand. Like there's a lot of shit going on that I'm like, "All right, you knew that was done before you did it." Like the overselling. They acted like they were getting sprayed by a fucking human eating acid. Well, here's the thing, and you know, you're being the Debbie Downer this week. No, you're I'm not. I love the show Dakota Kai, man. There is a little. Whenever Dakota Kai is on screen, I'm happy, even though she took an L. That was cool. What are they going to do with her, man? They just keep on putting her, like, just like we were talking about with, uh, shit, I already forgot who we were talking about. The person in which, Natalia, right? They keep putting her in and around that title picture, but they never let her win it. You know what they could do with Natalia right now in NXT that would interest me? Is put her in a match with Dakota Kai because everything she does is gold. That's the only way. Uh, I mean... I just want Dakota Kai around more. Can I say? I'm cool with the Dolph Ziggler thing, by the way. I'm accidentally cool with that. I weirdly feel like we're not going to be over-enthused and just blown away by it, but I feel like we'll be averagely appreciative of the Natalia Cora Jade situation. I don't have high hopes whatsoever, but I feel like it will really serve its purpose. Well, I feel like she's had her moments, and at times, Cora Jade's been okay. Well, and The she War Games match, she put her face on that match. She really did. And so for them to really try to capitalize on that, now it is a little bit late because they're too no, busy. No, they're not. Pushing. They're not capitalizing on it. They're putting her with 
someone that they don't need to put her with. Like Cora Jade has already built a level of fandom, and there's got to be someone else that's a better fit to go against her. Or you treat it like Brian, and you have Natalia just come in there and beat her ass for the next two months. I'm in, but that's not how this this company works. I don't know. I I have seen flashes of it, and regardless if I'm happy or not. They do have some stars. Now, well, I mean, I, there are definite stars in there. I mean, they're still not booking them maybe the way that me or you would want, but we're not the bookers. So we talked about Sokoa last night. That shit made no fucking sense. Like, boy, when the fuck are they going to put a belt on him? What a pop. He is so fucking over. I have not heard that building We should make louder. a bunch of, a list of new words we can say instead of over that everyone will know means over. I like that idea. Bonkers. He's so Bonkers. No, I, uh, that's like your slap daddy or something, whatever you say. No, slap daddy. Uh, what that's you, a slap daddy. Chop right salad. There. That's what you yell. <laughs> so hey, that's a good line, though. I do that at NXT as well. You try, you try at least. Yo, he's a slap daddy. And I think all of it could be said, though, getting back to my original point is like the nuances you see within NXT. Like, I'm sitting there just being quiet, watching everything. And I think that's how I look at wrestling now. Like in general, like I, it's hard to go and like pound a bunch of beers in the parking lot, right? And you, then just go get trashed and yell. Let night. me ask you a serious question. Do you still like wrestling? Yeah. Be no, honest. no, no, be honest. Do you like, okay, AEW is not what I'm talking about because at this point, I'm kind of seeing you just, you're a groundhog for AEW. You pop up when AEW is around and you're happy with it, but the rest of the products that are out, you're not real, real, real too happy with. No, so I actually love professional wrestling more than I ever have, and don't get me wrong, there are times where there are flashes, like I said, in WWE, where I see things that I like. Like I had posted on Twitter today. I think I've kind of given in to Stoner, Big Brother Randy Orton, right? Because there's something about it. Like if we gave him back his old theme song and we just let him go on a tear and be cool. I think you have something there, but for me, I, I think I've learned through however long we've done this podcast, what my style and preferences are. Um, and I know the kind of companies that put out the content I want to watch. Like I've, I've equated it a couple different times, but I almost look at wrestling like hardcore, like how I have spent so much of my life going to shows on Fridays and Saturday nights, you know, hanging out and don't get me wrong at an indie show, I'll pound some beers and I'll be loud and have fun, like make some jokes, but I'm still at the same time doing the exact same thing where I'm sitting there and watching the intricacies of it all, especially at an indie show, right? Because the production is a completely different setup. And with my desire to be in the business, you know, I think that's kind of where my mind goes a little bit more too. is like, I want to understand. I don't want to be that person that goes like, yeah, I want to be in wrestling. Uh, can you teach me everything? Like I want to come with a certain level of knowledge, but I think it's, how i've always been as a person like i'm really into history i'm really into understanding how things work like problem solving but hands-on and there's a uh, an element of that in wrestling i think because there are times where things will go awry in the ring and you have to problem solve on the fly for me i get a lot of that in wrestling and i just get to watch the the art of it all and i i don't Look at wrestling the same way I did maybe five years ago, maybe even two years ago. I, I, I find this weird because I think you can do both. I don't think you have to singularly look at it like that. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a way to have fun with wrestling, but also see it for an art form. Like, I keep referencing this Jericho book, which I finished today, so you're probably not going to get too much more tidbits from it. And they're talking about uh, Triple H getting his windpipe 
uh, broken or whatever. You know what I mean? Where he couldn't talk. And it was in the middle of that uh, Hell in a Cell match. And Jericho had to, like, on the fly, like, get a hold of everybody and be like, hey, listen, like, we've got to figure this out. How are we going to finish? And how are we going to continue to do? Because he can't work. Yeah, no. And see, there are definitely times where I get lost in the moment. And that's still the thing that captivates me is, like, no matter how much I learn about the sport, and I know without a doubt that it's rigged, as people want to say. I think that's a better word than the F word. But I don't, uh, so I, I don't think it's rigged because I just think people are looking at it through a different window than I am. Like the way I'm seeing it now is it's not so much wrestling as it is selling your character on somebody, and that's how you get over. Like, Cora Jade didn't get over by coming out and doing her skateboard stick. She got over because of a couple spots. People started to see how good of a wrestler she is. You know what I mean? And she built her character profile. It's kind of the same thing when you go into a job and you get there. And at first they're like, oh, wow, look at this fucking idiot. You know what I mean? And then after a couple months, they see how you work and they're like, all right, let's go ahead and let him into the group. It's the same idea with the conversation we had about getting your ass beat, getting yourself over, right? Because you're doing things that make people want to watch you and want to support you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the same thing every time. And there are different reasons for me to like different wrestlers. Don't get me wrong. Speaking of getting your ass beat, and I don't know I was dogging on it last week, but I watched Jiro take that beating last night from Von Wagner, and I love him more than I've ever oh, loved him. Oh, shit. Do you want a little fun uh, little thing from that whole segment last yeah. night? So we had noticed like about 20 minutes before it happened that they started bringing a bunch of chairs randomly. I'm like, hmm, something's going on. And that goes back to what I was saying. You, you notice things, right? And then all of these people were sitting there, and I was like, huh, they're ranging seats. What are they up to? Well, we saw what they were up to. Every single person in that front section that got Jiro uh, thrown onto him was like definitely trainees in the performance Good. center. They should be. And they uh, <laughs> I don't want randos getting Jiro thrown at them. But where I was sitting in the arena, they all had to walk right past me to get out and leave. So as they're walking by, I was like, yo, y'all earned your payday today. And like one or two of them was really trying to act hard and pretend like they weren't there. Uh, but there was a couple of them that just like broke and started laughing their asses off. And I'm like, hey, you know, like you're I was, doing your check. I don't care about that. I care about how much I love Jiro. Like, remember, every time we go there, I start the jacket time section. I don't need those fucking guys. I got my own jacket time section when I go to NXT. See, the thing about Jiro is when you just have him and uh, his homie, Pashida. I can deal with them. But then you pair him with Von Wagner, and that definitely turned into a bath and break segment. He for me. stinks. He stinks bad. Can we just bring Robert Stone back to Robbie E? That's what I want. <laughs> I'd rather see him I'm, wrestle Jiro I'm a all cancer, day. Dude. I'd I, rather see him wrestle Jiro all day long. There was these two guys who were clearly like newer wrestling fans i'm pretty sure they were on a date right and so uh, when robert stone was out there i was like yo bring back robbie e and they kind of looked at me confused and i was like do you guys know who robbie is and they're like no and i was like hold on and i pulled him up on my phone and i was like yeah you see this guy that's him right there and they're like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> he's an icon i'm just out here tainting people for no fucking reason he's an icon bro i think that remember when we watched that the first time how hard i shit on him Oh, you, you still do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Robert Stone. I should have done that, dude. Sometimes, you know, when you're young, you make mistakes, and then you see people in the suit, and you realize that they're good workers, and you're a good worker, man, and I appreciate you for that. I'll say, you know, good on them for realizing that he's never going to succeed in a ring with them. I disagree. But I think that he hasn't manager, been given his wings. He's a peacock. 
if NXT tells me anything, too, they're getting back in the swing of things with managers. And that makes me really excited because, one, I want to be one. But, two, I miss managers all the time, like, within WWE because they're still there. Yeah. What are you talking about? That is extreme. Yes, they do. They've got MVP, who's one of the best. And they've got Paul Heyman, who's one of the best. Two of the best managers in the world. That's two managers, and they're on separate shows. Good. You don't need 30 managers on two, on two shows. You're telling me there's not a couple people throughout Raw and SmackDown's rosters that could use a manager? I mean, that's a fair assessment. They're going to they're gonna ship one of them off to Ronda Rousey soon. Don't you worry. So, and that's that's my thing. And that's something that's still complex to me about dude, WWE. I have never seen anyone worse on talking on a microphone than Ronda Rousey. Oh, I have. My we don't God, go dude. We, I've watched some Mid-South before where they're just <laughs> so, like. No, but that doesn't people, count. This is, production, this is production TV. The last person I've seen talk this bad on a microphone was Ahmad Johnson. Well, I'm telling you, dude. Back in the day when Mid-South, like, you had 10 channels if you were lucky. Like, that was the same. What do you mean back in the day when you had 10 channels? You're 25 years old. You know nothing about 10 channels. And I'm talking about Mid-South. That was in, like, the 80s <laughs> and 90s. You leave Mid-South alone. And I'll tell you what, there were some workers and some talkers on that show. There were. And then there were not, some knots, you know? It's the way she goes. But, yeah, there's... I bet you if you looked at uh, 1980s baseball, there'd be a handful of fat dudes. In fact, I guarantee you there's a handful of fat dudes in 1980s baseball because they didn't have to work out look at football too it's the same fucking thing but uh yeah i don't understand why wwe like as much as they're trying to cash in are on people that aren't like entertainers right because they're just going to fucking pro football pro days right and going oh you're huge you want to come wrestle and so you would think they would be like all right well we have some people that don't fit our bill for what we want entering so but they can talk let's pair them it just makes sense you have more opportunities to make money and yeah you may have to pay two people instead of one but at the end of the day if the pairing is perfect people like that shit in wrestling do you think and i think that i'm the only one that thinks this um I think Bobby Lashley can hold his own on a microphone. It depends on the context of the promo. I think that they could tailor promos to fit him that aren't MVP-driven promos because MVP's not with him anymore. And I think that he can be talented on a microphone, too. Let me ask you. I have real high hopes. What are you hopes. referencing, though? I, well, I hear, I've had a lot of arguments with uh, random people at work and stuff over Bobby Lashley, and we talked about it in the chat the other day, and a lot of people think that he's lackluster on a microphone. And I think that he might be lackluster on a microphone, but I think that there is a way to bring him out of lacklusterness. And I think the way is you angle him towards a different style of character, like take the flash out of him and just turn him mean. Or just turn him into a crowd insulting heel. Let me put it this way. I think we're spoiled because we have had Paul Heyman with Brock Lesnar for so fucking long that after a while, Paul just rubbed off on Brock because I'll tell you, you watch old Brock interviews. You're like, how did he come this far? That's what I he mean. He really though. has like gone above and beyond and really reinvented himself as far as the talking game. goes. Well, you but, can obviously see in Lashley's body that he works out all the time, oh, yeah. but he is another muscle that he needs to work out. And it's the same as going to a gym. So for me, his promos almost remind me of Moose. And I think it's the same fault with both of them. It's their cadence. It's not necessarily the context. It's how they deliver it. And I think if you just tweak that, they really would have an opportunity. But it goes back to what I was just saying about the managers. It's one of those things. If you have someone that can talk his ass off, but you don't think looks good compared to your Bobby Lashley's or your Mooses, put them together and let them get their payday and do the job that they 
other person can't. I don't think he's just like Moose. See, Moose has a problem of talking way too fast. That's Moose's issue. But he, he also gets on a roll stops. and he starts pushing words into other words. That's the problem with Moose. I don't care about the stopping. With Bobby Lashley, I don't think that's a problem at all. I think he takes his time. And if somebody maybe doesn't like his cadence, that's fine. But I don't think he's terrible. But that's the same thing, though. I'm saying they both have issues with cadence. It might be a little bit different. It's a different issue with cadence, though, because one person is... See, when I get on a stage, I try to talk real fast and get it over with. And that's the problem that Moose has, is when he gets up there, he's like, and he's not stopping, and he's not thinking. And then things start running into each other, and then we have a mess of a promo. With Bobby Lashley, he's going the opposite, where he's thinking about everything way too much, and he's taking it very, very slow, to make sure that he doesn't mess up a scripted promo. And that's, that's the difference. See, the problem with Bobby Lashley is he's too scripted. They need to give him certain words like they did Roman when he first turned heel. Where it's, these are the words you say when you need to say them. It's very, very easy. Here's how you're going to start. Then you're going to say the words that you need to say. Then you're going to leave. Then you don't have to do any kind of work. I hate to break it to you, though. He's already gotten that treatment. And I know this because I've heard the story before, but so think about it. He was an OVW and he was under Cornette. That's how Cornette taught promos. So for him to have already gotten that luxury and to learn and then have the freedom, because when you say like, I think he's good on a mic and people, I instantly like think back to his like 2010s ish run and impact and his work when he was allowed on a mic. It wasn't really good. Okay. But that's, that's not him now. He's evolved. He's gotten And has better. been a champion and has been around the block a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? And that's what I mean. Like, I don't think he always was good. I think that he's grown into something of a superstar, though. I think he has potential, but there's still, there's people on the roster that I don't think will ever be able to get over that gap, but they don't necessarily need to. How do you feel about maybe sitting him down with a handful of people on the roster that are really, really good at promos and having them not coach him, but help him? Like a Kevin Owens or somebody. Don't you think that's already happened, though? I don't know. You'd have to think, because you made the point, like, he's always trying to improve himself. Like, he's constantly in the gym. You can tell that. So you got to think, there's a lot of time we're shooting the shit with other wrestlers going, like, hey, I know for a fact that everyone criticizes my promos. Like, do you have any advice? Like, I'm sure those conversations have been had. I just, I don't know, but... I think it's a testament to look at how successful he was when you gave him the appropriate mouthpiece. And that was also a problem with him because people have tried to give him a, a mouthpiece before and it hasn't worked. MVP fit him so perfectly. I just hope he can recreate that same magic with Omos. And I'm, I don't have my heart set on that. All right. So we have talked a lot. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Because I have one more thing to close this episode out. Yeah, give it to me. Okay. Before we end this episode... I want you to give me two people that you think could be WWE champion and take it off of Roman. Or Roman doesn't have it anymore that you'd like to see be the champion in the next year. Can I go first? Yeah. Montez Ford. Okay. Number one, number one, and number one. Because every time I see him wrestle, I'm amazed. He always finds a way to give me a spot that I've never seen him do before, and he always impresses me. And he's money on a microphone. He's so funny and likable. He would be a great face champion. Number one. Number two is a little bit more controversial. Okay, this is the one I'm excited for then. I want Randy Orton again. I said this earlier, <laughs> like on Twitter and everything. I want, I, you're, I didn't see it, 
but you're 100% right. As I want Randy Orton again now in this Randy Orton. We don't tweak it at all. I've started to fall in love with like the fact that he's out there going like, yeah, I, the reason I love Riddle, I smoke so much pot. Like he pays his fucking uh, piss test fines up front. Like just knowing that, but him actually now leaning into that like locker room mentor role and being a good guy all around, I'll see him be a top baby face. I really think that could be a great thing. So I'm going to lean off of you. I said it before you today, so that's going to be can my have, number that's one. That's fine. That's fine. Um, But there is one other person that I think will also be controversial that I think will lean back into my previous argument we just had. I think Otis with the right manager. I don't know if it's Chad Gable, which here's the thing. If you break him up, I'll deal with that because let's push Chad Gable too. He's got a lot of untapped potential, and I know the criticism, but look at what we've done with Jonathan Gresham. That man is phenomenal, and I think fucking uh, Gable has the exact same ceiling. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. But I think Otis, if you give him the right manager, you keep the gimmick he's rolling with. You've been rolling on Otis for a long time, since well before the, the team up. Actually, I know how you do it. I have the exact way you do it. If you say the same thing you said two years ago, I'm going to call you on it. Let's see if you have the same take. No, I have a completely different take. I'm going to build a stable. Okay. Can I do that? Yeah, build a stable. We have to pull two people up. Okay. And we have to shut Gable up. Creed Brothers? Creed Brothers with Malcolm. Malcolm becomes the mouthpiece for them all. You turn Otis into a dominant heel champion. You have Gable win the Intercontinental or U.S. belt, whatever brand they're on. I, f- I forget. And then you tease tension with them. You know what I mean? That's your angle out of this. And then eventually you end up just having the Creed brothers, Malcolm and Otis as a dominant force. But let's think about how I hate the idea of shoving Mr. Shush out of the group, though. It's I love him. That gimmick doesn't work for me. It's hilarious. You You don't like to have fun during wrestling. It's okay. It's okay. But I think those three could be a powerhouse on whatever brand they are. And if you present them right, because Malcolm is. He's exceptional. He is probably the best modern heel manager in the business. He's probably the best heel manager in the business. Would you today. say he's a heel? Oh, yeah. Would you say he's an anti-hero? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> he came out, I don't know if it was on TV, but he was like plugging his comedy show in New York last night. He's so funny, dude. He, he's just a gem. <laughs> There's yeah. nobody funnier on Twitter except Asuka. And on that note, go uh, buy a ticket to Malcolm's show. Uh, but no, more importantly, follow the big three at Jaded Rasslin, at Tots Pod, at Year of Pod. I'm pretty sure the sale's over, but you can still pick up some merch at jadedrasslin.com slash pro wrestling tees. All the support means all of the world. Uh, please, please, please tell a friend to tell a friend. And we will be coming at you again on Friday. Sorry for this episode being late. I just had to go see some wrestling. Bye. Bye.